Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Get a Grip podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, it's match play week. My, Unfortunately, my, uh, my Arizona Wildcats, the two seed, uh, forgot to show up against Princeton. I, maybe Princeton's good. One of my buddies in Vegas bet them to make the Final Four, I think, after game number two, and the number was still crazy high. But uh, Arizona bounced again early. I, I, I'm starting to think the Arizona Wildcats are the Texas Longhorns of college basketball to the Longhorns college football. I remember I was texting a buddy of mine that, that broadcast college football a few months ago asking if the Longhorns are the most overrated team in all of sports. And he said – Maybe the two most overrated teams in all of sports are both football teams from Texas. Don't yell at me, Dallas Cowboy fans. Just look at the numbers. I'm an Arizona Wildcat at heart and uh, diploma-wise, and unfortunately they continue to fall short in the tournament. But my focus obviously went from the basketball tournament to the match play this week. And this is one of my favorite events. I covered this multiple years for PGA Tour Live back in the day when they would send us on site for these events. I would go to Austin, you know, my family would come down. Always one of my favorite weeks, and it was always one of my favorite tournaments. And I'm just so shocked that in a time where our attention spans are as short as ever, the match play doesn't work is so strange to me. And I know the round-robin format changed, and I understand the reasoning behind it, but I always felt like Wednesdays and Thursdays of the match play, the old formatted match play, were some of the most exciting in our sport because you could get bounced from anybody, by anybody. Nick O'Hearn could beat the best player in the world, and that person is gone from the tournament. And I just felt like the finality of it and that excitement, it really brought something unique to the tournament. And uh, and I'm bummed that it's going to go away, and I'll be very interested to see what happens in terms of match play tournaments going forward. But we'll always have the Ryder Cup. We'll always have the President's Cup. We'll always have the Solheim Cup. You know, we'll always have the U.S. Amateur, uh, even with the format changing with the U.S. Amateur. And now my qualifying to get into my first ever U.S. Amateur is getting harder by the day. But that conversation is for another day. Before we get to Andy Johnson and what I would call a very interesting conversation about the best flushers in golf the last 23 years, uh, I wanted to let you know I teamed up with Good Walk Coffee. If you haven't checked out Good Walk Coffee or if you haven't had Good Walk Coffee yet, change that. It is excellent. It is a coffee company that is obsessed with with golf and is focused in and around golf and is trying to get into as many resorts and uh, and team up with as many golf people as possible. And the beans are great and the coffee's awesome. And I'm not just saying that because I teamed up with them. I'm saying that because people routinely text me that have t- tasted this and said, this stuff is awesome. So we have a bacon breakfast blend now with Good Walk Coffee. If you go to goodwalkcoffee.com backslash bacon, you can go right there and and check out what we did. It's the bacon breakfast blend. It is really good. I, I'm a cold brew guy, so I have like my toddy cold brew system that I make about you know twice a week, and this is great for that. It's great whole bean. It's great ground. I think you're going to really enjoy it. But if you buy some of this, it supports me directly. It supports what we do here at the podcast and other collaborative efforts that we have going forward. So goodwalkcoffee.com backslash bacon. Give it a give it a try. You can subscribe to it if you like it, and it'll just routinely come. You don't have to worry about, you know, continuing to buy it. But I think you'll like it. And if you're a fan, write a review. We really appreciate that. And uh, last thing before we get to Andy, and speaking of Andy, I've been writing for the Fried Egg and for their newsletter. I have a piece every Friday where I – 
I focus on one word and then kind of expand into, you know, an article or a column or however you want to call it. But I've also been writing a little deeper pieces, a little bit what I used to do, and I've really enjoyed it. I missed writing. It's weird. Uh, I'll say the golfer zoo. I'll give a shout out to to the children's book I wrote is getting me back into the writing world. But I spent the weekend watching not just March Madness and not just the PJ Tour event last week, but also I watched a lot of the live event in Tucson and. I wrote what I thought was a relatively objective piece about the good and the bad of the broadcast and the viewing experience of live golf. And there is good and there is bad. And so if you want to check that out, go to the friedegg.com and the article's right there. And um, yeah, if you had feedback on it, you can always send me a DM on Instagram at Shane Bacon, or you can just yell at me on Twitter. That's what most people do anyway, these days, especially, but I just wanted to let you know that that's where my writing takes place. Make sure you sign up for that Fried Egg newsletter so you can see my pieces routinely in there and everybody else's pieces, for goodness sakes. I mean, it's not just me. It's it's Meg and Brendan and Andy and Will and Garrett and the whole crew that does a great job there. Uh, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of names, so apologies there. But uh, enough from me. Let's get to the all-flushers team with Mr. Andy Johnson. All right, here he is. That's Andy Johnson wearing a ground under repair hat. I appreciate uh, the attention, the detail. I wouldn't say you're uh, you're really big on attention to detail in that regard. So thanks for paying attention. Well, you know, Shane, I uh, I looked at the hat, the hat drawer. I, I get up a really early West Coast time. I try and be as quietly, as quiet as possible. Not wake up any of the uh, the people in my household. But uh, I was I was sifting through my uh, my hat bin this morning and thought it would be a nice touch because I definitely couldn't take a shower and, and do my hair properly this morning. How many hats are in your hat bin? I got a lot of hat questions myself. <laughs> what is your bin like? Is it a hundred hats or is it like 30? I don't know what the official number is. There's a whole box that's in the attic right now. My wife okay. has put like a, uh, like a referendum on the hats. It's like, I cannot, it's a one in one out policy, really. It's and and right now she doesn't know there's a whole box in the attic. I kind of control the attic. That's my domain up there. She has no clue that there's like an entire big box full of hats. So I I mean I have to say it's in the hundreds. It's the thing that I find myself buying the most. Um it's just like I think like one of the things I obviously I, I travel a ton. Um I get around to a lot of places and um, you know, the other thing I've found is I I've enjoyed buying like non golf hats in recent years um, because I have so many golf hats, but the thing about it is like, if you have a bunch of hats, they don't wear out. Um, and that's the nice thing about hats versus like a golf shirt, right? If you spend the money on a golf shirt, when you go to a place and you know, or nice course, the thing about it is like a year later, you're kind of like, man, this, golf shirts on its last legs the hat if you've got a nice rotation of hats they kind of last a long time right totally agree with you that was my transition a few years back i went vests and i also realized that if you buy vests at a lot of courses you're spending a gob of money and so yes you know the hat is the hat is a 30 dollars purchase and it's a thank you to the golf course you know we, you and i play a, a decent amount of free golf when you play free golf it's nice to buy something in the shop just like it's nice to tip the outside service people and um and so the hat is a good thing to do. Doesn't doesn't ruin the pocketbook, but uh it's something you're you can actually use. I'm I got a Chichesi hat on right now. Andy, we're talking flushers today. 
And I think the reason I thought of doing this pod with you, I, I like having you on and, and us kind of doing these lists. You know, that's been something that's been a bit of a recurring uh, recurring, you know, podcast title with you and I over the last yeah. few months. I didn't put the time and energy into this one that I did the last one. The last one I felt like I, I spent like a full day researching. This one I did put a lot of research into. It's just really hard. It's so this one's a little more subjective. It's it's way more subjective. It's way more who you think of when you think of a flusher. So I have two questions before we get to our list. Question number one to you, Andy. What is a flusher to Andy Johnson? I think that just in general, the way I would think about a flusher is when you're watching golf in person, particularly. When they when they hit a ball. There's like almost a different sound. It makes you like your neck snap. Or if you're like intently watching, it is like you're watching it and you just think, wow, that's different than other guys on tour. That's different than anybody else that I've really seen hit a golf ball. There's a distinct, I think there's a distinct, um, you know, just sound that a, a real flusher has. All right, and then in your brain, when you think of flushing a golf ball, in your brain, what club comes to mind first? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like I, I, I feel like a six iron. Yeah, I had five iron in my brain. I was thinking yeah. five iron. When you flush it, it just comes off with a different trajectory. You know, it, it kind of just it gets up to that apex a little bit quicker, right? Yeah, I um, you know, I I I've told this story a decent amount, not just on this podcast, but I think when Max was a part of the podcast. But you know, during COVID and, and Max and I were playing at Papago every Monday, and we'd have that kind of rotating fourth spot. It was me and Ashton and Max, and then we had a, a fourth player that would join us a decent amount. You always got that. You saw the reaction. I mean, these guys were good players, mini tour players, you know, playing for a living or had played for a living in some capacity. And the first time Max would hit a four, five, six iron because Papago asks those clubs a lot on par threes. You always saw their eyes and their ear. You know, you kind of looked over like, holy shit, that sound is different. You know, I mean, you you yeah. knew instantaneously that what Max Homa was doing with a five iron was different than what you were doing with a five iron, even if you were a great ball striker. And I think what people that don't know or don't go to a lot of golf tournaments understand is there are players in professional golf that hit the ball differently than other players. And that is a fact across the board, no matter what tour you play on. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important with the flushers that there is some requisite power because that's what I think kind of produces the, the sound, right? Like there's gotta be a little bit of speed in the swing because I think there are, there are different types of flushers, I guess, but in my mind, like the more impressive flusher, has a there's a combination of power and just like hitting the center all the time you know yeah my, my agent jeremy eisenberg i told him we were doing this and he messaged me and he said he was out with i think it was hank haney or somebody years ago and he said they were doing something with nick price and he said price was just dialed and he said that they were on the range and it was just you know five yard draw five yard fade dead straight ball low one high one kind of the nine shots that tiger always talked about 
And he said he, he it's been, you know, probably 15, 20 years since that happened. And he still goes back to that moment. These things stick with you. You know, when you go to yes. a tournament and you see a flush or hit a golf ball, it will stay with you. I mean, this is somebody not on my list, but like Mark Leishman and the way he kind of, you know, kind of traps that golf ball with some of those shots he's hit in and around Augusta National. Those things stay with you, not just for four days or for that round of golf, but they'll stay with you for years on end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I, I, I have some, uh, a guy on my list that I'll, I'll tell, you know, talk about something like that, that happened, you know, I think now almost 15 years ago that I like remember clear as day, like it happened yesterday Um, where, and, and I think that's the cool thing about these shots and these players is that you, you know, they're, they have staying power because you remember those moments. And obviously, I mean, like, as I started to compile this list, like there are some people that are like flushers, but like what I found was like, these are, they're all like hall famers on my list. And like, I have some honorable mention guys that like, aren't hall famers that were flushers that are just like, but it's like, I just like, couldn't get myself to put Chad Campbell <laughs> On my 10, 10 right. list you're for gonna, 25 you years. Something. You're going to be, you're going to be bummed out because you might've made my list. Might've made well, my list. I, I think he like belongs there, but like the problem was, I don't think he did it for as long as some of these other guys. I got, I got, and some, that's no, where I got I had... some numbers. I got some numbers on Mr. <laughs> Chad Campbell. You just wait. Um, all right. So before we get into the list, big, um... big shot, Bob Allenby, I didn't expect to be like <laughs> thinking about big shot, Bob Allenby. Uh, Guy that uh you know has has made more waves off the course than on the course in recent years, but like you look at his numbers and you're like, holy shit! Right, Robert Allenby. But then I I was texting with somebody who's a little bit more intimate. He goes, I dock him because he only hit one shape. He was one dimensional. Ah, I like that. I like that. A flusher typically can move the ball around. Uh, by the way, here's a quick quiz question for you: Is flushers a live team name? Do you know that or not? It's not. But it, it should be, you know, maybe I, I, I had to look, I had to look and see, I had to make sure that it wasn't a live, a live name, just so people that were listening to this podcast and saw the title didn't get confused. I need to give a shout out. You mentioned um, some people you talked with Justin Ray, who everybody knows on Twitter, 21st group. I asked him for a little bit of help in terms of some of these numbers. And he sent me a great spreadsheet that everybody would love to see. I'm sure. So, so make sure you follow Justin and the 21st group as well. Um, and just a reminder to everybody, we're doing this from 2000, to current day, to modern day flushers, shot link and strokes gain did not start until 04. So you've kind of got that four-year window where those stats are not available. Um, so if we go way back in time, um, you're going to hear us say 04, at least me say 04 a lot. That's the reason some of these numbers start in 04. Andy, do you want to do honorable mention names now or at the end of the podcast? Um, Either one. Either one, whatever, whatever you're the host. Let, let's go, let's go right now. I'm going to throw out some of my honorable mention names at you and you could just holler if you've got them on yours as well. Graham Delat, honorable mention flusher. Don't have them. Joe Durant. Joe Durant. Joe Durant. Yeah. Honorable mention flusher. <laughs> Unbel He's like that guy. Just like, I mean, I think the, the knock maybe on Durant is not enough power, but like the accuracy the iron play, unbelievable. Yeah, um, J when Jay Ray sent me his list, Durant was top 10, like, all time <laughs> on that stretch. They've hit at least 400 shots that were calculated or something. Joe Durant, honorable mention. Ryan Moore on my list is an honorable mention as well. 
I can't get there because of the power. My power okay. prerequisite. Okay. Knocks. And well, I think is you don't want to make it, but yeah, he he didn't make my honorable mention. Obviously, I think like Ryan Moore played his best golf at age like twenty one. That's For sure. the other absolutely. Thing, right? I don't think there's like, any. I don't think there's any question. That's the other tough thing is like to be on this list for me. You had to do it for a while. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, Harris English made my list as well as a flusher. Um, Angel Cabrera was an honorable mention for me. That's a good one. Don't feel like we mentioned his name that much anymore for obvious reasons. And then I had Spieth as an honorable mention. Did not make my top 10. But I think people sleep a bit on Spieth. Iron play is in terms of a flusher, uh, especially in his prime. And I, I obviously talk about his prime like 2014, 15, 16. But, you know, he was one of the best ball strikers in the world over that course that time. Can I throw you a few here? Yeah. Uh, Scott Verplank. Oh, God. Scott Verplank is an absolute <laughs> flusher. Well, he didn't have the power, though. That was, yeah. That's the thing. But if you look at his iron, his his iron play from, like, basically when they started strokes gained till, like, 2010, he's just top 10 approach every year. Like top 20 strokes gained T to green as a horrible chipper. He was a bad chipper and he's like top 20 strokes gained T to green every time. Like I, I, I almost put for Blake on, on this list. I've got Zeltors and Morikawa on here. Just like haven't seen enough, not enough evidence, you know, too early in their career to put them on this list. I have them there. Uh, I think like DJ is a, is a, you know, I put him as a, like the weird thing with the flusher too is like you kind of have like the off the tee guys and yep. the and the approach guys and I kind of tried to put I try I put more emphasis on the approach. Totally. Uh, when I think flusher, I think iron play um more so than I think like out of this world driver of the golf ball. And DJ I think like always was like he, his iron play got really good for a couple of years. But it was always kind of lagging behind the driver, right? Totally agree with you on that. Uh, by the way, the Verplank line, Verplank only player in Masters history to birdie uh, 12 all four days in a Masters tournament. Um, <laughs> and so uh, if you want to talk about flushers, obviously could hit the irons close. And I totally agree with you, Andy. I, I That's why I asked the question about the iron or the, what club comes to mind yeah. when you think about flushers, because to me, it's it's that middling or long iron that really pops in my head more than a driver, even though on my list, some great drivers made the list. Who else do you have for honorable mention? Keegan Bradley. I almost put him on my list too. He almost made my honorable mention. Guy is a menace. He's a He's menace. unbelievable. I mean, the, the anchor ban with the belly putter, like was made specifically to like end his professional golf career. And I mean, like there were, there were five years where he was like, just like categorically an awful putter, but still remained on the PGA tour because of how good of a ball striker he is. Lucas Glover is oh on that, gosh. In that in hey, that hey, same vein. Can I ask you a question? Are there more are there two golfers that you feel the same about more than Lucas Glover and Keegan? I just feel like well, they're almost the same type of player. Like not great putters in any and nobody's ever gonna say they're a great putter. Always struggled around the greens, could absolutely flush the hell out of the golf ball, and they kind of rode flush into a major win. Well, I think, yeah, and, and I think the other thing about them is, like, just, like, how long they've been relevant. Right. It's the other aspect of them. Like, while having, like, a very, very clear deficiency. I'm, like, surprised Lucas Glover hasn't gone to the arm lock putter. Or has he tried it? He had to have, right? Did you, hey, did you see the one this year where he barely, like, he barely yes. took it back and hit it? I don't think I've ever seen 
that stroke professionally before. I've seen some goofy pro strokes, but the like inch back and go, and he made it. Did you see the Zalatora stroke yesterday? Oh god! <laughs> it, I can't watch it, dude. Like I struggle with like starting online. Not not with my stroke loopy, but. You know, when I start getting shaky with the putter, it's getting it online to start. I can't watch Zalator's putt. And again, I know it's overblown, and I know he gets frustrated when people talk about it. I don't it, know. But, that, oh. that last, the the one yesterday was like in a whole new category of of his of his putts because of the, <laughs> the, the velocity. I mean, he hit it like, I think was like, if it didn't hit the cup, the side of the cup, does it go seven feet by, eight feet by on a three-footer? So I've never thought of this comp until now. And I think you might be the only person in all of golf media that might understand this comp. Um, I'm obviously an Arizona wildcat. You know what his putting stroke reminds me of is Mustafa Shakur's shot. Remember <laughs> Mustafa when it was the, I think I called it when I was a columnist at the wildcat. I think I called it like the Mustafa hurricane or something for the latter part of his three years. I mean, it would loop around and then he'd release it. And I'd never seen somebody that was very good at basketball shoot like that. And that's what I feel like when I watch Zalator's putt. You know, there are a lot of golfers, like there's a great comparison. If you wanted to do like a golfer to basketball player is like, you just look at like the uber athletic wing basketball player that can do everything on the court except for shoot is like the man. If he could just have putt, how many times would he win? Like, like you could like have like the Gary, Gary Woodland is Michael Kidd Gilchrist, you know, like, Oh, if only that guy could shoot like, Oh, if only that guy could putt and chip, he would be, he would have won 25 times already. Um, do you have anybody else on honorable mention before we get to our first ones? Yeah, I had Jim Furyk. Oh, I, I, I almost had him on my honorable mention because he was so good. I couldn't get him. I like, I wanted to have him in the top 10, but I kept coming back to like the guy hits at 260. Right. It's just like, it's not the same feet as, as the guy that swings it really fast and still flushes the shit out of it. Like to me, that's where I just couldn't get there, but like absolutely should be on it. Cause he did it for like 25 years. Still doing never, it. Yeah. I mean, like was never like a, a, like he was a very good putter. He was very good around the green. He was obviously like great at everything. He's an all time great player. Maybe the most underrated great player of his era. Like he kind of is like the Tim Duncan of his era. Not like that great, but like in the same class because like nothing he did was flashy, but he was just like so good. And like every single major, he was always contending, but like, he just gets overshadowed. Like people like Davis love more than him because Davis love hit it three fifteen with a persimmon driver. Right. But like, give me, give me Jim Furyk all day. I I'm sorry, but you know, we talk about moments and I know you have a few of these on your list as we go through some of these players, but I can never forget the tee shot on 16 at Olympic. I just, it's, <laughs> it'll forever be in my head. The USGA moved the tees around and Jim Furyk had absolutely no idea what to do. They flummoxed him. That thing was 50 yards in the trees with a hybrid. It was so wild to see. It's it's absolutely the case for moving tees during tournaments. Yes. yes. I know that there's like logistical things with like having to set up stands and different things that make it hard and signage. But like these guys, it would be, they would play so many more practice rounds if you move tees around. 
Right, right. Like, why don't we use four different teams for four different days? I know outside the logistical challenges of it, why not? Like, how hard is it to move a rope at the end of the day to a different spot? I was thinking about the rope. I know this is a little bit off topic, Andy. I was thinking about the rope the other day. You know, I'm always amazed that at an airport, you know, people just kind of generally follow these rules that nobody follows away from an airport. And I was thinking the golf rope might be like the last standing rule we follow as society. Like nobody goes under it. Nobody breaks protocol. Everybody stays behind it. And it's just this piece of twine that somebody, you know, objectively puts up at a random place with stakes and nobody, nobody breaks that rule. Nobody's just been like, screw it. I'm just going to walk around. Like everybody abides by the rope. It's kind of wild. I'm going to, I'm going to counter your statement with, uh, with the 2021 PGA championship. When when the rope when the rope failed, can't always win. The rope doesn't always win. When, when being got being on the other side of the rope and turning around and seeing like the Game of Thrones a uh, Game of Thrones war scene rushing it down. The Did you barrel. feel like Simba in Lion King? Where you're like, oh my god, they're coming, they're coming. Well, I had this like there was like overbearing security guy that was really concerned with where me and Ryan Lavender were with the rope line the whole day. He was just giving us a hard time and seeing that guy, you know, see this horde of people come rushing through and that guy, uh, you know, all these people are rushing through and he took, took Ryan Labner and moved him back to the rope line in the moment. It was incredible. I'll never like, we're about to talk about moments. We'll never forget. I'll never forget that moment. Oh man. Hey, everybody that volunteers at a golf tournament, just take it down one notch. That's all we're asking. One notch would be helpful. Well, um, some people are great. I, that's what I'm saying. Are, not, yeah. I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying some people take it down a notch. I'm gonna, I'll start here with our top 10 list of flushers from 2000 to 23. Um, and this is a modern player. I didn't think he was going to make the list, but I did some diving and he is. Scotty Scheffler, number 10 on my list. Uh, oh, this, man. This from Justin Ray. He said, one of my favorite notes from Scotty's win just recently at the Players. PGA Tour wins by five strokes or more, leading the field in driving distance and greens in regulation. 97, Tiger at Augusta. 2000, Tiger at Pebble. 2007, Tiger at the WGC. 2017, DJ at Riv. And 2023, Scotty Scheffler at the Players. And real quick, Andy, before I hear your rebuttal, because it doesn't seem like you love Scheffler making this list, since he came out on tour, so going back to 2019, Strokes gained T to green, 7th and 19th, 10 in 2020, 21st in 2021, 4th in 2022, and leads the tour in 2023. It's a small sample size, but that is very, very impressive for a young player. What are your thoughts on Scheffler being number 10? Listen, I I, th I fully imagine in five years he'd be on my list. I just don't think there's there's enough body of work like him and John John Rahm would fall in the same bucket for me. Um, they they both are I would just say pseudo honorable mentions. Okay. Just not enough uh, evidence for me to put him in there yet. I was trying to include at least one or two very modern players on the list because I think for you and I, when we think of this. We almost always go back in time before we think forward. I mean, it's so much easier for me to think of a 2002 player or a 2005 player, somebody in 2010. And I was trying hard to not leave off the list, at least a couple of modern players. So that's why I wanted to shove Scotty there at 10. Uh, number number 10 for me is a modern player. 
I got Hideki Matsuyama. Ooh, nice. Uh, I mean, when when Hideki's cooking, it is like a sight to behold. And I think he falls in that like that all like he's almost like Andre Iguodala, where like okay, his putter can get hot. Like Iguodala can make a jumper, but if he just was like an above average putter, we'd be talking about like you know one of the best players of a generation. I think he already is like, like in that fringe generational player type talk. Um, so Hideki for me, you know, when you see him get going, the iron play is just like at a whole different level than a lot of guys. Like, you know, we saw it at the masters. He won obviously on Saturday with that back nine where, you know, like seemingly he was hitting every shot to three feet. Um, you know, that for me, like when he gets hot with his, with his irons and it, I mean, they're there all the time. It kind of keeps him, you know, he's such a steady player because of how good he hits the ball. Um, it's a combination of accuracy. Like he's long and accurate on, off the tee, which I always think is like kind of a, a flusher, uh, a sign of a flusher is long and accurate. Um, not just long and all over the place. So Hideki is number 10 to me. I don't have the stats that you have, but that that's my uh, general thought. So I would say if you were going to ask me to really kind of close my eyes and think about what performance is the most flushy performance of the last 20 some years, I think it was the post weather delay third round at Augusta. I mean, you know, I, yeah. that's not, it's not online anymore because you know, the every shot goes away after a year. But I would urge or beg Augusta National to put that display on YouTube at some point because obviously it's just the final rounds that make it. His his shots from 11 on when he was right on 11, I've watched that so many times. That that full year of it being online, I went back and watched that shot and the one into 13. When he, remember, he three putts at 13 yeah. after hitting right over the top of the flag. And that I mean, that's on- like the Hideki experience. Exactly, like, exactly. He gets four feet away and you're like, is this going to hit the hole? <laughs> Speaking of Hideki and speaking of match play week, did you see the thing yesterday with the quarter on the putter when he was practicing? Uh-uh. Oh, God. I'll send it I'll send it to you. Had a had a quarter placed on the toe of the putter when he was practicing putting. No idea what that does, but, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Maybe it's something with, like, tempo or something. I, I guess. I guess. I, I love Hideki there. I think that's a smart pick. My number nine, and, and I'm assuming he's going to be on your list, and I would bet he's probably a little higher on your list. The reason he's not higher on my list is simply what you said earlier. This is a little bit more about iron play and a little bit less about mashing the drives and being such a great driver. Number nine for me is Rory McIlroy. He's on my list. He's on your list. Okay. Over the last decade, Rory, this is from Justin Ray. Rory is a foot better than any player on average from outside of 200 yards. So when you do best average proximity in the last 10 seasons from outside 200 yards, Rory is 45 feet, seven inches, Rom second, 46, seven. But just to understand how incredible it is to be a foot better, Rom's 46, seven. And then it's 46, seven is Paul Casey. 46, eight is Dillette. Like those people are all bunched relatively together. And Rory is a huge gap difference in terms of those numbers. So Rory, nine on my list. Listen, you can't have a list like this and not talk about Rory McIlroy. I think he's always going to be known as a generational driver of the golf ball, but we probably sleep a little too much on the iron play. So I, uh, real quick, I think Paul Casey probably deserved to be an honorable mention, but I just, I just 
don't really like the guy, so I left him off. Okay. Um, but B, with Rory, I think like you could make a real argument that if golf courses were 8,500 yards, he would be way higher up in strokes gained approach. It's just that he like very rarely hits any mid-irons. Right, like, totally agree. He plays so well at Bay Hill because Bay Hill, he hits long irons. Like, Right. And that's, that's why, like, it's like, you know, it's like the same thing with tiger is like, you know, Firestone used to be a long golf course. It's, it's kind of got dwarfed in recent years, but you know, when you put like that narrow, rough, long golf course out there, like tiger woods, Rory McIlroy are going to play well because they're hitting like mid irons, long irons, and in particular at Bay Hill, it's the par threes and the par fives. And that's where he really separates himself. And like what we talked about early on flushers, like it's not just the, the prolific driving is impressive because of the distance he hits it and the act or the relative accuracy he hits it, given how far he hits it. Right. Rory is the career leader in strokes gained off the tee per round since tracking started um, nearly a shot per round uh, strokes gained off the tee for Rory McElroy. Hey, when you think of Rory, cause he's got such an accomplished career, but I was thinking about this last night as I was working a bit on this list. What's the shot that comes to mind when you think about Rory? Because I feel like for Tiger, you could think about Canada or you could think about the chip in at Augusta. You know, there's 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 so many of these moment golf shots. What is that shot? Because, you know, four, two of the four majors that Rory won, he won by eight. It's hard to kind of think about a singular shot he hit at Congo, you know, or Kiowa. But is there a shot that comes to mind when you think about Rory's career? It's actually, it, it was that, what did he hit like a three wood at the Honda to win that uh, one year? He, he didn't win, right? He 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 missed the putt, yeah, lost the play, playoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I think that was Henley. Uh huh. So that shot I think about probably is the first one is okay. like that that fairway wood from the. What about you? You know, I was thinking about this because I was thinking about like I, I haven't. I do obviously... think fairway woods are are a good. There's oh, a, yeah. There's a there's one in Europe too. I can't remember what tournament that I think about a lot too, where he hit a three wood to like. Four inches. I, I think it was the Irish Open, and I think that was when he hit two fairwoods on the fairwoods on the back on both those par yeah. fives, and he hit them both really close. Um, I was thinking about this. You know, when he won the Open, if you remember, I think he had maybe a two-shot lead going into the last hole, and it was a par five, right? Mm -hmm. And he hit like a two or three iron into that green, and he didn't hit the green. But I just remember thinking when he had that club in his hand, this is so unnecessary that your level of confidence has to be so high to know that with there was out of bounds, you know, 10 yards off the green, as there is in so many of these, you know, open road of golf courses to hit that club, knowing that if you hit a, not even a big miss, but even a, a mediocre swing or a mediocre miss, you could be hitting that out of bounds and potentially lose the open. I always go back to that as kind of peak Rory confidence, but I'm with you. I think the Honda three would, even though he didn't go on to win that kind of bullety cut, you know, onto that tucked hole was just so wild. And then kind of to your point about Hideki, a bit of the Rory experience is, of course, missing, missing, missing the eagle putt there. The, um, you know, like when you ask the question about flushing, like the flusher, like I do think like three woods are, are I like thought about answering three woods, like what shot? Okay. Because like that towering, a lot of people will hit like skanky three woods that are kind of like they work, they go. But when you hit that like towering three wood off the ground from the fairway tight like that, that's a flusher shot, you know, and uh, that that brings me right into number nine on my list. Justin Thomas. 
Oh, he's on my list, but uh, he's 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 well into the list. Uh, JT and the Three Wood is a is a great marriage. Can, can I say something about the Three Wood before you get into JT? Yeah, I you know I I, I try to play pro golf in in a, in a very small capacity years ago. Uh, I'd seen great players up close when I was the on course reporter at the match, and you probably know the hole at Shadow Creek. I'm not exactly sure. I think it was 15 or 16s a par five, but Phil and Tiger were around 300 yards each out into that par five in the match. And they both hit three woods and they were exactly what you're talking about, Andy. They were the way up in the sky, absolutely picked off the grass, no divot. And I remember watching those shots, thinking to myself, holy shit, what was I doing trying to play pro golf? Like, <laughs> this is such a different experience. See, and these are obviously, you know, two generational golfers, two of the best of all time. But to see those up close, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a competitive environment was wild, but JT is, is just, you know, does it all with all those clubs. Yeah. All, all the shots, great irons. And obviously like you talk about iconic shots, like that Aaron Hills three wood is one of the greatest shots in golf history. I think like that, that was unbelievable. I will say it like only reason he's number nine on my list is like time, you know, he'll, he'll move up the more he does it. One thing that hasn't been talked about this year that I I, I brought up on uh, intro to my most recent pod on the fried egg is like just nobody's talking about JT this year. It's just like it's not good. The stats yeah. are not good, like career worst stats. And obviously it's still pretty early in the year, but it's kind of alarming. He's like he's hitting the driver nowhere this year. He's he's down 13 or 14 yards from last year on his driver. And you start to look at his strokes gained ranks. He's he's fifty third in approach and thirty ninth and off the tee. And those are you like he's usually you know twentieth or so off the tee, top ten in approach. It's it's kind of been like a, I I don't know what's going on. Uh, obviously obviously he kind of got off to a slower start last year too. But you know I'm sure it's gonna to normalize something. But something something's not right with JT. I noticed it when I watched uh, him Tiger and Rory at Riv was like. He was like 30 yards behind those guys all day. Exactly. And I was kind of like, what, what is going on? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. It's funny because I have JT on my list and I was looking at his stats as well. And this year is like the one you throw out, you know, because I mean, every other year is relatively consistent and he's had up and down years, but this is, you know, this is not good. So hopefully JT finds something. I think what you're hearing from Andy is don't pick JT at Augusta. It sounds, sounds to me. <laughs> it's hard to not have him on. Like I did a top 10 list uh, for an intro to our, my most recent pod. It's like hard not to put him on your top 10 because of like what you know he has. But like when you look at the, the, the year to date, it's like, you know, like usually when you think JT outlier year, I think about, was it 2016 when he yeah. made everything? He yep. was like a top 30 putter is the one year that he putted really great. And he won so much. Yeah. 2017. Like he, I think he won five times. Yep. Yeah. And that to me is usually the outlier year. And every year you could always count on great driving, great approach. And then this year it's, it's just like, I don't know what's going on, but there's something, something up. Hopefully he gets it straightened out because like, I think of all the modern players, if you were going to, if we did like a, um, a like PGA tour live, like, or like in person who you want to see in person, like JT, I think is the most entertaining to watch. I mean, he's top three. Yeah. It's, it's, it's him. It's him for 
kind of what we're talking about, flushing the golf ball and being yeah. able to flush it in a lot of different ways. It's Rory for power and it's Jordan Speed because, you know, it, it's like, you know, it's like going out in Vegas for for like three nights in a row. <laughs> um, my number eight is the name you mentioned, Andy. Mr. And this is Andy Johnson's favorite golfer of all time. He has a jersey hanging up behind him if you're not watching this uh, in any way. Paul Casey, number eight. Uh-huh. Uh, Jay Ray Stat. Ranked inside the top 10 in average proximity from outside 200 yards four times in the last 10 years. That's flush again. Listen, eight straight seasons ranked in the top 15 on tour in strokes gained approach. Each of the last eight years, he was qualified. The streak only snapped because he went to live. I don't know if they have stats at live. That is insane ball striking. If you're eight straight years inside the top 15 dude that's not one year where you're 24th or 28th and when you go through these numbers on some of these players that we have talked about and that we will talk about they have plenty of seasons where they're 22nd and 24th and 31st in some of these categories paul casey certified flusher i i i totally am on board with this i just decided to just leave them off for personal reasons listen it's okay it's your list it's your list (laughs) and uh i mean the thing about it is like ultimate paul casey's like the ultimate high floor golfer he's like just a perfect pick for major pools like yeah, when he was right. playing majors because like he just knew he was making the cut like i think he had he had some crazy record at augusta um you know which is obviously like an iron play like you know if you're a great iron player you're gonna play well at augusta and i i can't remember what it was but you know he was he had like so many top six, top eight finishes at Augusta in in a number of years. He he definitely belongs on this list. I got number eight. This is a this is probably a sentimental pick here. Oh, here we go. Probably my favorite favorite player, non Tiger of the uh, Tiger generation, Ernie Els. I knew that was coming. I knew it was coming on my list as well. On my list as well. I mean, when you think about just like a surreal player to watch, the tempo. The effortless power, um, Ernie Els is right there. One obviously won majors from '94 to 2012. That's uh, that's unbelievable, and uh, he was really close to winning a lot of majors. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so wild to look at what he did. Um, like you said, longevity wise, and I have Ernie later, but considering he's you know your favorite golfer, is he your favorite golfer ever? Um, I don't know. I, I, I like rooting for him. I think one of the things that I, you know, he was like this gentle giant, he was likable. Um, and then he was always going up against tiger and he kind of just like, you built this like sympathy for the guy that kept finishing second. Right. You know, like, I think that's like a lot of why I like Ernie so much is that he just like, he just, you just like eventually like felt really bad for him because of like, you know, what, what continually happened to him with tiger, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was Jim Kelly. I mean, it's like, you you know, you make four Super Bowls in a row and you don't win any of them. And it's like, your team was incredible. It just, you weren't able to get quite over that hump. It's not to say you had a bad career, you had a bad stretch. I would say, tell me if you agree with this. I'd say his peak was 2004 for Ernie. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's it's hard. I You know, like, the thing I always talk about is, like, the guy won two majors with wound golf balls. Yep. And obviously his best year was 2003 when the Pro V1X came out. Like all of a sudden he could just nuke a knuckle cut. Yeah. You know, so I think he had kind of a couple different eras of, of, of greatness, but you know, it's hard to look past like winning 
in 94 at Oakmont or was that, I think, yeah, that was Oakmont, uh, in 94 at age, you know, at the time, you know, winning a major or winning a U.S. Open at age 24 was nuts, you know, yeah, you didn't like, win at 20. You didn't win a major in your twenties. Right. Year. Um, so, so I, I said 2000 to 04, Andy. Okay. So over that stretch, he played at 90 PGA tour events. He had eight wins, eight seconds. He had five seconds in 2000, by the way. 43 top 10s. So he basically, for a five-year stretch, finished in the top 10 half the time. And I also want to add something to that. That's really a top nine because Tiger yeah. was finishing in the top 10 every week anyway. So there were only nine spots available for a top 10. So he was finishing in the top nine half the time. And then in 04, when Shot Link was introduced, as I said, second at Augusta, T9 at the U.S. Open, second alone at the Open, T4 at the PGA and how about this? Stros gained T to green, third and 04, fifth and 05, eighth and 06, set, second and 07, seventh and 08, fourth and 09, ninth and 2010. That is such a long stretch to finish in the top nine in those categories. Ernie, he's fourth on my list, by the way. Okay. And he is, to me, uh, you said the fairway wood thing, Andy, about flushing the golf ball. And I would say that when I think about stinging the golf ball and stinging the golf ball, such a flusher move, you know, if you can, you can kind of keep those hands quiet and keep that face, you know, relatively solid through impact and keep the ball low. Tiger's the greatest stinger of all time. Ernie to me is second. And, you know, I didn't grow up watching Seve. I wasn't old enough to watch Seve. I didn't watch Tom Watson and Jack and those types of players, but Ernie could hit that stinging three wood. He could take speed off of golf clubs and hit shots like that. And so to me, Ernie is like, what this list is in terms of, of what we're talking about. Yeah. I, Hey, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with any of that. I, I, now I feel, now I feel bad that I put them so low. <laughs> um, number seven for me, Henrik Stinson, Henrik Stinson, make your list. I have them exact same spot. No way. Both have them at seven. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's number seven. Um, it's good. We're, we're going to get to the overlap section. So this that's is exactly uh, right. Um, I mean, he led, he led a stroke skate approach multiple years. Yeah. I think that's like the only, uh, the, the thing that you have to, and obviously like, I think his stroke skate numbers would have been even better if the guy would hit a freaking driver. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great point. Three went off every tee. I mean, you know, he, he would rarely pull that out. Do you think he had the driver? Yep. I, oh, absolutely. I think he was, I think he was frightened by the driver and I think he knew he could squeeze the three wood. I mean, you know, when you be a flusher and have the driver, yips, that, that's the, that's the case for him not being on here. It's like, it's like terrified of hitting a driver. We have him seventh in the, in 23 years of golf. So obviously you and I say the answer is yes, you can be uh, Andy. He was 42 and 43 years old when he led the PGA tour and strokes gained approach. That's, wild to think about especially now that wasn't that long ago no no he's another he's like in that Hideki camp like where he could go on runs where I think I remember what was it the year he did he win Bay Hill that one year I, he just hit everything close for like a number of holes in a row and it's just like just relentless with the irons but then when you when he's standing over a four-footer it's like I have no clue oh I have gosh. no clue what what's going to happen here and when he makes every four footer, it's what happens at Rural Troon, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, Phil plays probably his best golf of his career and doesn't win. Uh, in 2018, Stinson led the PGA Tour in both driving accuracy and greens and regulation. He was the first player to do that since Calvin Pete 
did it in 81, 82, and 83. Shout out to my buddy Mark Freed. Uh, he's my modern-day Calvin Pete, by the way. Never misses a fairway. Um, so Stinson, seven for you and I. Number six, Andy. Here we go. It's time. The Tiger Woods of the Hooters Tour. The man. The Chad myth, Campbell. Chad Campbell. Number six on my list. He is in front of Henrik Stinson. He is in front of Rory McIlroy. He is in front of Scotty Scheffler. Chad Campbell is, to me, what flushing the golf ball is all about. I got to run you through a couple of the stats here. All Andy. right. Uh, this is a Shane Bacon stat. It's not Justin Ray. So if I got something wrong, don't yell at Justin. Stroke gain approach in 2004, 18th on tour. 05, T28. 06, 30th. 07, 21st. 08, 4th. 09, 11th. 2010, 12th. 2011, second. 2012, 7th. 2013, 18th. 2014, 8th. That is 11 straight years of being in the top 30 and approach on the PGA Tour. And straight, seven straight years were his worst in that department was 18th. This guy could flush a golf ball. He could do stuff with it that some of the best players in the world wish they could do. Very underrated player and definitely an underrated ball striker. Yeah, yeah. And then you, if you did the same for the putting stats, you'd, you'd be like, that's why Chad Campbell was it he it's was, not what we're talking he was about. on the Andy, it's not what he we're was talking on, about he was on the cover of si too is that right i think he was like it was a uh, um it was something about the next thing um chad, chad campbell chad campbell i thought he was gonna win that pga next big thing you'll never guess who the pros pick as the next big thing chad campbell cover of sports illustrated U.S. Open preview. I was going to say, so it was a it was a golf. It was one of the golf editions when they used to do the yeah. major ones. Those things were so cool when we used to get those. I'd get so yeah. excited when they'd come in the mail. Um, it was two thousand two thousand three, uh, heading into the U.S. Open in two thousand three. He was on the cover of SI Golf Plus. Is that the year that McKill won? Is that the year he finished second? Oh three. Um, man, if that's a call, what a call by SI. I think McKill was oh. Is it oh four? Or yeah, he was Oak Hill, which was we should I should know this, you know. Um, I mean, no, it was O three. It was O three. Oh, yeah, we, it was. We it got was. it. We see. We didn't know it. We just didn't think we knew it. It was O three when he did that. So SI writes that for the U.S. Open, and he does that at the PGA. With at the time, the PGA was the last major. So what a call by a Sports Illustrated. I think he played on the all-time best uh, Ryder Cup, American Ryder Cup team too. <laughs> The 06 Ryder Cup team. <laughs> is that, who is that? Is that Vaughn? Yes, Vaughn and J.J. Henry. Is that Wetterick? Is he on, was he on that team? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I think so. Let's see. I think he was on that, that team. Let's see. Chad Campbell. Yeah. Tom Lehman, Tiger Woods, <laughs> Phil Mickelson, Jim Furyk, Chad Campbell, David Toms. All right. We're okay there. DeMarco, that he, underrated flusher. Underrated Chris flusher. DeMarco. Underrated flusher. Then you go Vaughn Taylor, J.J. Henry, Zach Johnson, Brett Wetterick, Stu Sink, and Verplank. Maybe this team wasn't that bad. Yeah. You, you saved Lots of flushers. Not a lot of putters. <laughs> no. Lots of flushers. No. Stu Sink Stu Sink's a sneaky flusher. He's a sneaky flusher. <laughs> I mean, the, the part about all this that's stupid is, if you're a professional golfer, you're probably in some capacity a flusher, but... Uh, as we've said, there is some different sound that is made. Do you think Monty should have been considered? 
Are we under overlooking Monty? As a I, I I will say that the he the did wing, have a different sound. I know the Wingfoot Seven Iron again, much like the Jim Furyk shot at Olympic Club. <laughs> is just I mean a lot of flushers don't just hit a seven iron like forty yards short of the green. So um, I again this that's one moment in a career, but it's the thing that stands out in my mind. Who's your number six? God, I kind of feel like I should get Monty on here and just boot somebody in the top six out. I mean, you can do that. My number six is Rory. So we already talked okay. about Rory. Okay, we got um, through six. We can move on. All right, number number five. Who you got at five? I got BJ Singh. BJ Singh, certifiable flusher. Is he of on your list? Ball. Also, my number five. Okay. So what I talked about, like a moment I'll never forget, I was at the 08 Honda Honda Classic or 09, maybe it might have been the 09. It was 08 to 10, one of the two. Up saunters like old ass VJ at this point. I was standing behind a T, maybe it's the 11th T out there. Um, and I was standing there for a while and I just watched this guy come up. You know, he has that saunter about him. Right. You know, like how he just kind of strolled along the course and he just strolls up and just gets up to the tee and just launches one. It's just that effortless power, that effortless trajectory. And obviously, you know, again, like so many guys on this list, if he could putt, oh. we're, we're maybe talking about the greatest player, you know, if he if he could putt like Tiger, I think it would have been like a question of like, who's the greatest. Right. Like BJ Singh to me is, you know, I probably have him too low on this list. He probably should be number two, but I have a I have him at uh I guess I man, did I just do nine? I did nine, I think. We're putting Monty at ten. <laughs> I miscounted. It's okay. It's okay. I it's, didn't put numbers by him. It's, but it's BJ BJ to me is uh is just he's just unbelievable. So so that this is funny that you did nine because I did eleven. So we actually somehow equal to 20. I had to I get didn't Chad, number them. This is my fault for not numbering. I had to get Chad Campbell in there. Um, I had VJ on my list. And the problem was, is that my top five was so packed that I had to do tied fifth. So I had VJ at fifth tied with another guy that I'm sure is on your list. And I'm sure you're going to mention him. Do you have Adam Scott in there? Yeah, he's, he's number three for me. Okay. Adam Scott was, was tied with VJ at five. Um, you've, you kind of went in on VJ, so I'll go in on Adam. Um, I think the best way to explain the flushing of Adam Scott was in 06, he was second on the PGA tour and strokes gained approach in 2019. He was fourth, Andy. Yes. Oh, yes, that's the longevity. Second, 19 fourth. That is a gap of 13 years of dominant high level, high level approach play. That's to me, the Adam Scott thing is if you watch him hit a ball in 2004, you'd be like, whoa. Yeah. And the same thing still rings true today. Like I, if you watch him hit irons, if you line up all the tour pros on the range and they're hitting irons, Adam Scott is one of the people that stands out today. And he was like, without a question, I'll never forget. You know, he obviously was, you know, and I, another guy on my list that's, He's number three on my list, which we're at on my list. Um, but like the other guy, obviously, like the Tiger comparisons were what kind of like it was a un you know it was an unfair 
burden that these guys had to bear. But the Adam Scott Tiger frame by frame is something I'll never forget. Like when they put them next to each other, they obviously both were going to Butch Harmon at the time. And the swings were just like basically like the exact same. I think it was Natalie Golbus who, I mean, shout out Natalie Golbus. I think it was Natalie who said that she'd never heard the tiger sound until she played with Adam Scott, like the sound mm-hmm. that tiger hit the ball with. She'd never heard that level of compression and force. And then the first time she played golf with Adam, she went, Oh, okay. So somebody else can make that noise. But yeah, the comps were there. They were not fair. Um, Adam Scott, it's so interesting that Adam Scott's and I said this on Twitter earlier in the season that I really hope Adam Scott wins one more major before his career's over. And obviously that's going to be very hard for him to do. It's so wild that, you know, it was decision-making that ended up costing that open and it wasn't, you know, ball striking or iron play or something that wins him an open when it sure seemed like he was going to be a guy that had a clear jug, you know, in the, in the cabinet at some point in his career. Um, but I mean, just again, if you were going to pay, if you're going to pay a thousand dollars to go watch professional golf, Adam Scott's a top five guy to go watch, you know, just to, to walk with him for 18 holes and to see how he goes about his business, because it was that, it was that dominant. And it was that impressive. Already mentioned Ernie was number four on my list. We don't have to do that. Number three on my list, Andy, and I'm hoping he's on your list. I'm assuming he made it somewhere. Mr. Sergio Garcia, you make your list. Number two, number two on your list, Sergio Garcia, I I think if I close my eyes and I think of flushing the golf ball, I think I think of Sergio Andy. I think he's the guy that comes to my mind. Yeah, I again, I think the like the same thing. Like Adam Scott and Sergio's careers are so similar, intertwined. Um, and I think the thing about him was like how many major championships kind of slipped through their hands. Like you know, Sergio, I think more so um, than than Adam Scott. And obviously with Sergio, it's it's all the shot making. You know, he's still he's one of the few players on tour that's still hitting. Yeah, I guess he's not on a tour anymore. Captain of the fireballs. Let's you know, that's how it'll go down. Do you think he's gonna wear his fireballs get up uh at, at the Masters? I don't I don't think they can, dude. I don't think they can wear that stuff at the Masters. We'll see. But I w- I was I've been told or been under the impression that they're gonna have to maybe shy away from from that gear uh, at the majors this year, but I guess we'll, um, I guess we'll see. I, I listen, the, the fireball's red with, with the fireball on it. Did you see that, that fireball, the liquor company is, is auctioning off a red fireball jacket is like a giveaway around the masters. And all I could think of was that looks like something Sergio would wear now. Um, let's hope he doesn't go with that. I feel like Sergio always looked a lot better in the greens and the blues. Yeah. And I mean, the thing with Sergio is the flights, right? God. It's the low cuts, the low draws, the high draws, the high fades. Like, you know, outside of Tiger, the guy that you would routinely see hit more shots than anybody else. And just like, I mean, I'll never forget the year that like it seemed like it, and this was probably like 2017, 2018. He just decided that he was going to hit his driver further. And he like just like it's just like he's a guy that like hits his driver and hits a lot of fairways and, and is long. But when he wants to hit it 30 yards longer, can just like he just has yardage in the tank. Like he is a um he's just a precise tactician of a golfer. Yeah, you know that that story you say about finding 20 or 30 yards. So you know Ned Michaels, who does a lot of the the broadcast stuff for the Masters and PJ Tour Live and the USGA does a great job. You know, Ned played um he played professional golf for a long time 
And I think he was in the final round at the Singapore Open with a young Adam Scott years ago. And he said that they were playing, I think Ned was leading. They played three or four holes. And he said he got to a par five and Adam's caddy, they hit their drivers relatively close to each other for the first four or five holes. And Ned said that Adam's, he heard Adam's caddy said, you know, hey boss, you know, you can step on this one if you want. We'll get home in two. And he said, just all of a sudden, Adam hit it 40 yards past him. You know, and again, they've been relatively close for the first few holes. And then all of a sudden he's just got the seventh gear that, that obviously, you know, a regular ball striker doesn't have a regular tour level ball striker doesn't have. I got some numbers for Sergio. Oh, four Sergio was first on tour in strokes gained approach second in strokes gained T to green first in strokes gained off the T in Oh five third that season T to green fifth in strokes gained in Oh seven, seventh T to green second in approach in Oh eight second T to green. I mean, like, I mean, numbers, you know, numbers don't always tell the story, but they can tell the story in this department. This guy, and you said earlier about, you know, flushers, they they can hit the ball long and they can hit the ball straight. Sergio is that to a T. Sergio could bomb it and he hit it really straight. And to me, Sergio was kind of DJ before DJ was DJ. What's the iconic Sergio shot? I mean, I think him hitting the flag stick at 15 when he won the Masters is pretty high on my list. Long iron. Hitting the flag at 15, which is like landing a, a ball on, on the hood of a car, yeah. you know? He, like, and, it, and, it, and it like and it kissed the flag, Andy. It didn't yeah. ram into the flag. It was like a gentle flag hit, which never happens. Yeah. I mean, like, basically, like, his highest pressure moment. I, th- I, I think that 15th hole second shot is, has become, like, the momentous decision of the Masters. I don't 13's romanticized as that. But 15 is the shot that I think pros know they have to hit because they don't want to lay up. Um, And like when I think of that shot from like the top of the hill, the guy I generally think about is Sergio. And I think there was like a thing about Sergio with like the kind of like that, the bravado he had. Um, You saw it come through in Ryder Cups, but you know, where Tiger was like, I'm going to hit this 15 feet right and I'm just going to like make the putt. Sergio was more like I'm hitting it right at the flag because I never know when the next putt's gonna go in. <laughs> he, his his 15 footers were such a roll of the die that he was like, ah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I should just probably take this on because to your point, Tiger could take that flag on if he wanted to. Yeah, he just knew that you know the the smart play was to hit a 15 feet right, and he knew he was such a great putter. Yeah, because like putter. in that same moment at the uh, what was it the 2019 Masters. When he when Tiger won, we saw him hit like the exact like by the books perfect shot, which was you know twenty feet right. Let the green bring him in a little bit more, and he just walked away with an easy birdie. You know, like yeah. that's the way the Tiger Tiger recipe wasn't always that, but like the Sergio recipe was. You know, he could get hot. Like it's again like that. It's kind of what I said about Hideki. Like when that guy like gets gets cooking it's like what like everything's right at the flag terrifying player to play against a match play and i think that's part of why he was such a good match play player was like the iron play when you're playing mano a mano is just frankly overwhelming and terrifying and it makes you feel like you have to do things that you don't want to do as a, a player against him like i think that sergio's career if match play was the predominant uh, method of the game of golf would have been would be so much different because of you know just he would just wear people out from tee to green 
it's interesting because if you think about a lot of the names that we've said today, and a lot of these people have something very similar in common, and that's the fact that they hit the ball unbelievably well and they're not great putters, right? There's people on our list that are good putters, but most of the things that come to mind when you think about a flusher is somebody that maybe didn't get the most out of their game, even though we're talking about Hall of Fame golfers and some of the best of the generation. And a lot of the flushers are the ones that do have really polished Ryder Cup, President's Cup team records because you could putt a bit more aggressive in those moments because if you missed, it was simply just the hole that you lost and you didn't have to make the three or four footer coming back. Think guys like Colin Montgomery, right? Who was just so tough to play in match play and guys like Sergio, who's just relentless because they're going to hit the ball inside of 12 feet so often that it puts so much pressure on you. If you're first to go, you know, you got to flag it. And if you're second to go, you know, if you don't hit it close, you're going to lose the hole. The other thing is just like, you know, match plays a lot of day-to-day variance. And when you're a flusher, there's not a lot of day-to-day variance because you point. hit it, you roll out of bat. What I used to say, I used to caddy for this guy that was like a, at this club, he was always a club championship uh, contender. And he would just like, he'd kind of show up to the club disheveled. And I, and I just joke with other caddies, they He's just like out, right out of bed. He's just flushing it like out of bed. <laughs> like, you know, like to me, like all almost all these guys on, the, on this list, you could like you could like wake them up at five in the morning, put a golf club in their hand and they're hitting the right in the center of the sweet spot for swing. Like that's kind of like the 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 premise of this. And I think one of the things I think is like when you hit the ball this good. I think this is something that's like underrated is that putting becomes like a, a weight because your expectations are different. You know, yeah. it's why you see bad putters, you know, free it up a little bit more from 12, 15 feet because they don't feel that, you know, that internal stretch in the chest that I've got to make this putt. They mm-hmm. can free up the stroke a bit. And the moment they get in that five foot circle, the necessity to make it, the embarrassment of missing it, you know, is, 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 10, 20, 30 times the the feeling you get when you're outside that must make range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I think the other thing, one of the things too, I, I will say this, like, if you think about the best, like to be Sergio Hideki, JT, Ernie, Rory, all these guys on the list, you know what they all also like all those guys do really, really, really well. Adam Scott is in this bucket too. They're all incredible pitchers of the ball. Like there's, there's something with the hands. Be a great flusher. You got to have the, you got to have the hands. Interesting. Uh, My number two going to be controversial. That's fine. I had to find somebody modern to throw in here because I felt again, like we were going to be leaning heavily on old school. Justin Thomas is my number two flusher of the last 23 years. I got some numbers here for you, Andy. 2017. Sixth in stroke gain approach, 2018 fourth, 2019 second, 2020 first, 2021 third, 2022 eighth. I was just digging around. I mean, that's six years. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Six years in the top Amazing. eight and, in stroke gain like approach. Early 20s. Yes. He's a kid doing this. I was doing some just some some random digging around in terms of iron play. And you talk about pitching the golf ball just last year from Justin Thomas. And Andy, it's fair to say last year was a bit of a down year for JT outside of his win at the PGA. Would you say it was not his best season or not his you know yeah. most accomplished season? 
From 50 to 75 yards last year, JT, third on tour. 75 to 100 yards, first on tour. 100 to 125 yards, first on tour. 125 to 150 yards, second on tour. 150 to 175 yards, third on tour. So from 50 to 175 yards, he was the best or top three in the world at that skill. And again, it's a skill that has been lessened with equipment. I think flushing the golf ball isn't as necessary, but when you are great at it, you can distance yourself from the rest of the tour. And I think JT is a guy that has been a mediocre putter or at times even a bad putter in his career, but the ball striking, the flushing, the pitching is so exemplary that he can separate himself and have great seasons, even when the putting is pretty stinky. Yeah. I, uh, he's, he's unbelievable. That's why I think he's, he's arguably the most fun modern player to watch just because of all the shot making. I think like the thing that I love the most is like the low pitches from around the greens. They hit oh. like those, like little old bump spinners. And, um, you know, then obviously like all the wedge, the wedge play is just the way how soft his arms are and the tempo on, on his wedge swing is just like absolutely gorgeous. You know, one of the things is that like sometimes like being really good at certain things takes away from other things, right? Because like your swing mechanics need to be a little bit different. And I think that's the thing that's like super impressive with almost all these guys on this list is how they're able to, you know, be extraordinary at everything because they do require a little bit different techniques and different spots. Did I guess who your number one is, Andy? Do you do you, do you have do you I have mean, a? Is I'm a guessing surprise? it's the same guy. It's got to be Tiger. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got some J Ray stuff for you on Tiger. I was I yeah, asked him. Fine. I said I'll I'll just sit I'll sit back here. I said Justin. I was like, you know, you're the king of stats. You're the smartest guy in the room. We all know Tiger's number one on the list. What can you tell me that can explain to people and that not even people that argue just to. You know, I, I love Tiger stats. I think they're absolutely silly and they don't even seem real. There are more than 700 players with 50 or more rounds measured by shot link all time since 04. Tiger is the only player to average one plus strokes gain approach per round in his career. There are 15 instances in the last 40 years where a player won on tour while leading the field in driving distance and green in regulation. 15 instances. Tiger has six of those and four were in major championships, 97 masters, 2000 U S open and PGA and Oh one masters. And of the five best seasons, anyone has had in strokes gain approach. Tigers had four of them since. Oh, this is before uh, like what uh, I just don't even want to venture to guess what the numbers were in 2000. Like that's like right. one of the saddest things is we don't have these numbers for 2000. Right. Oh, four. So, so since Oh four, Oh six, tiger, Oh seven, tiger, 13, tiger, Oh nine, tiger and 2016, Adam Scott, the only person to creep in there in tiger's world. And in Oh six tiger gained 2.07 strokes with approach per round. Only Adam Scott and Jim Furyk gained half as many strokes per round as he did. And in 06, Tiger's average proximity to the hole from 150 to 175 yards was under 22 feet. That was nearly seven feet better than the average on the PGA Tour. Tiger Woods, the best flusher in golf history. I think that is fair to say. I'm sorry to anybody out there that wants to yell Jack, but Tiger was a different beast. Yeah, he's incredible. It's, uh, it's still amazing to watch him hit a golf ball. What's your Tiger flushing moment? What's the moment that comes to your mind when you think about Tiger and flushing the golf ball? Um, 
you know, I rewatched the final round of the Beth Page when oh, that two? one is pretty pretty high. Yeah, that's where I mean, like some of the some of the shots he hit on that back nine because that that course was so long. You know, um, I think like that's the thing is like when you get them in the canvases. Obviously, I mean, there's so many shots. The the out of the bunker at the Canadian Open yep. is is up there. I mean, even like that master shot in 2019 is is up there obviously recency bias but like the that shot was extraordinary i'll never forget the the president's cup at royal melbourne at at an old age where he just was like by far and away the best golfer and you just saw how like how gifted he was at hitting the golf ball i think like that's probably one of the things that's most impressive is through all these injuries all these surgeries all the things that have happened to him He's still like when he plays, he's still one of, if not the best at hitting a golf ball on the PGA tour, the power. I think that thing that goes under overlooked with tigers, everybody says, Oh, he wasn't very good. He wasn't a great driver, but like when tiger came on tour, he was unbelievable. He was everything that w- what Rory was like, he was that combination of, of, of accuracy and power you know, for the first, like, obviously it got a little squirrely there in the, in the middle of his career, but like he had like a good seven, eight years of like, nobody can touch him off the tee. Um, and nobody could touch ever touch him on approach. When, when the equipment changed, you know, when, when everybody kind of moved into the pro V and tiger obviously moved into the Nike version of the pro V and the driver started to, you know, get longer and graphite shafts started to get very, very important for players. And Tiger eventually had to switch out of the 975D with a steel shaft. If that had never happened, would he have won two times as many majors? Three, like, would he have won 30 majors, do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think like with the, I think the argument with all this is like, if if equipment doesn't change, like all these guys on this list are like significant, have significantly better careers. because. You know, when the ball, when the ball spun more and, and when it was a little bit harder to hit this, when it, when the driver was less forgiving, you know, these guys, they just stood out so much more um, because like, it, it is all about hitting the sweet spot. You know, like if you created a Blades and Persimmons tour, I have a hard time believing that Tiger wouldn't be the best player on the tour. <laughs> at at current day, current yeah. day. Injury. I think I don't think it I think it's unfair because like a lot of these guys haven't, you know, it's not necessarily fair, but like because he has experience hitting them. But like the guy just doesn't miss the center of the the club face very often, right? Andy, what was it like this year at Riv? You walked with him how many days? You walked with him more than two days, or was it uh just two? two days? I mean, it was unbelievable. He was hanging past Rory. Were you surprised by the ball striking? Like, did it surprise yeah. you to see how good it was in person? Yeah. I mean, the power was what surprised me was like, how's he, how's he out driving Rory? He's, in, he's just incredible. So uh, to recap, I'll go through mine real quick and then you can figure out yours. Uh, I had tiger. Number one, JT two, Sergio three, Ernie four, T five, Adam Scott, VJ Singh. Chad Campbell at six, Henrik Stinson, seven, Andy's favorite golfer, Paul Casey at eight, Rory McIlroy at nine, and Scotty 
I move my feet and flush the golf ball like nobody's biz. Scheffler at number 10. All right. I got Tiger at one, Sergio two, Scott at three, Adam Scott at three, uh, VJ at four. I th- I feel like I might have put VJ too low. I feel like he should probably go to number two, but that's, you know, quibble. Rory five, Stenson six, Ernie seven, JT eight, nine, Hideki, and I'm putting Mati in at 10 because I forgot to. Because have cause... to keep the European contingent happy. I know, you know? I know. We we tried to we tried to toss a few uh, a few international players in there. Well, this was a fun exercise, Andy. I really appreciate yeah. uh, you taking the time. I know you're really busy. Make sure you listen to the Shotgun Start if you're not already listening to it. It's an excellent podcast with Brendan and Andy. Excited for Masters coverage. You guys are going to be at Augusta. Um, you guys got yeah. credentials. They let you in again. That's nice. Uh, they did. They did. There I can't go. wait. It's uh, you know, it's a, it's just an unbelievable experience. I can't wait to be back there. Andy, can I ask you before we go? Um, the first year that you guys were at the Masters, your house was like my. It was I basically stayed at your house. I mean, I know I had my own place, but I was there so often. It had a beautiful little swinging bench outside. Last year's house left a <laughs> bit so to be good. desired. <laughs> How are we looking this year? Are we are we back to are we back to like uh, you know, azaleas out front or what? I think we are. I don't know. I, you know, it's a crapshoot. You don't see these houses before you pick up, you know, we've, we've, I think so. We did. I did a little bit more due diligence this time around. I okay, booked good. it a little bit earlier than usual okay. to try and make sure we, we, we've got a good spot. I think we're in the neighborhood of the other, other house, which should be okay. great. And uh, hopefully should be a, a happy place. Okay, good. I, I was nervous. I, I think I visited the, the first house 27 times and the second house once. So I'm hoping yeah, it's the, a little close. I feel like that was everybody's experience with the second house. It's like, all right, I'm not coming back here. I came over and said hello. Uh, that's Andy Johnson. Follow him on social if you don't already. Andy, appreciate it. Thanks, Shane. Well, that was a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, just one more reminder about the coffee. Bacon's breakfast blend with my friends at Good Walk Coffee. Go to goodwalkcoffee.com backslash bacon and buy a bag subscribe to it i think you'll enjoy it give it a try let me know what you think and uh hope you guys have a great week and just the last reminder is i did write a children's golf book it's called the golfer zoo i flew out to chicago a couple weeks ago signed 500 copies of the book so if you're interested in getting a signed copy uh, you can go to back9press.com backslash bacon and order it from there and if you're a pro shop that's interested in carrying copies. We've been selling 15, 20, 30 copies to pro shops, and they've been flying off the shelves. It's a good way to get this in your pro shop and to get it in front of people that have kids or grandkids that might be interested in getting a children's book about golf. So just an option for you if you're interested. Have a great week. We are so close to the Masters. I'm so excited to get to Augusta, and we've got some fun podcast episodes coming up around that. Have a good week. We'll chat with you soon.